friends, my name is Chuck Betters, and I'm coming to you from the Help and Hope podcast. And I'm so thrilled today to have uh, joined with me Anna Stevenson. Anna is the founder of Path to Freedom. Now, Path to Freedom is the place that called me and Melanie to be house parents over a year ago, and it just totally changed our lives. Uh, as Anna and I were praying together before the pod- podcast, um, I was just struck by the fact that meeting her and her husband, John, who's the executive director at Path to Freedom, really did change our lives in a really positive way, where we are using our gifts and our ministry to help girls who are rescued from human trafficking. So Melanie and I actually live in the house that was founded by the ministry. It's called the Magnolia House. And Anna is has the brains and the heart behind this and the, more importantly, the calling. So welcome, Anna. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Dr. Chuck. It's wonderful to have uh, be on the show with you and I'm honored to be here. Yeah, it's great to be here with you. And uh, like I said, Anna started Path to Freedom. Her and her husband, John, are the founders, and they've been dear friends to us, um, not just co-workers, and uh, they've just been people that have really meant a lot to us as we have made this big move down here to Florida. And so let me start by asking you to define for us what human trafficking is. Well, on a spiritual sense, Psalm 139 tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're created mm. in the image of God. And human trafficking is actually one of the greatest assaults against God's children. And because we are God's image bearers, it is also an assault against God himself. Mm-hmm. And on the natural side, it is the recruitment of men, women, and children through force, fraud, or coercion to exploit these, these individuals for the gain of, of a profit. There are four areas of human trafficking. There's sexual exploitation. There is labor trafficking. There is domestic servitude, and then there also, believe it or not, the extraction of organs, which is horrific. Oh, my. And, yeah, yeah. Mm. And it's happening around the whole world. I mean, even here in our, our local town of Naples, Florida, it's happening yeah. here. And, you know, when I first started this, I always thought it was happening overseas, and indeed it is. But I mm-hmm. didn't have any idea that it was actually happening in my backyard. So that's, nice. that's Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some facts about human trafficking taken from the Path to Freedom website. And for those of you who are watching and wondering how you can learn more about Path to Freedom, it's path, the number two, freedom. So pathtofreedom.org, and that'll come up on the the screen for you. You can check it out. But just from the website, worldwide, there are 40.3 million victims trapped trapped in human trafficking. 4,384 traffickers identified in 2019. 4.8 million people are involved in forced sexual exploitation worldwide, with more than 1 million of those victims being children under the age of 18 years old. And the U.S. leads all other nations in consumption of human trafficking. One in four victims are children, seven in 10 are women, average age 12 to 14. And it's a $150 billion industry. And so you tell a beautiful story of what I said, quote, the one. Um, I think about that a lot. I think about the one a lot who you met, which led you to starting Path to Freedom. Can you just tell us about that, the one, and how that led to the beginnings of Path to Freedom? Absolutely. So my mom was actually an investigator for the Department of Children's uh, and Family Services back in the year 2000. 
My husband and I had just moved back down to Naples and um, she had asked if I would consider being a garden ad litem and work very closely with a woman uh, that worked at the sheriff's department. Her name was Anna Rodriguez. And she, you know, she asked if I would consider doing that, but because my husband traveled quite a bit with his work, my kids were still very young. I said, thanks, but no thanks. So fast forward to the year 2014, I'm leading women's ministry at my church here in Naples. And during this Bible study, three separate individuals started telling me about human trafficking. The last one actually told me how it was happening here in Collier County. So I thought I need to get educated on this pervasive issue. So I get on the internet, I'm looking for local organizations that were working with this population. So I get to the very first website and I'm reading this woman's story on how she got involved. And when I get down to the bottom and read the woman's name, it was the same woman that my mom wanted to connect me with back in the year 2000. Wow. So to me, at that point, it was like a tap on my shoulder saying, from God, I need you to do this. And mm. to be honest with you, I ran for a couple of months because I, I've never done anything like this in this industry. And I was a little bit of afraid. But two months after that, a friend of mine came to me and said, there's the girl that's going to be sharing her story that was in trafficking for two and a half years. And I want you to come. So I did. It was January 30th. And there were maybe 20, 25 people in the room that were listening to this girl sharing her story. She had profound fear and such pain in her, her eyes and, and in her words that all I could see when she mentioned that she was sold 52 times that night were the faces mm. of my four daughters. And I knew at that time that I could not walk away. This was somebody's child. And this could have been one of my children. And I knew that I had to do something. So I went back to my husband and I said, honey, I think that God's calling me into uh, human trafficking. And he basically put his arm out and said, you know what, you do what you need to do, but leave me out of it. This sounds uh, kind of dangerous. And I said, all right. And I continued to pray and I felt the Lord was asking me to start this ministry. So we started it April of 2015, providing advocacy services, emergency transportation, and then also trying to find home for these girls. And it was at that time that actually I realized there weren't enough homes, especially here in the state of Florida. And mm -hmm. we're trying to pursue to purchase a home at that time. Hmm. So just talk to me a little bit about calling. And there's probably people watching this now who have felt a tug from God on their hearts uh, to start a ministry or to, you know, even just to call a friend and pray with them or to do something in their church or to do something really big for the Lord, and you felt that calling, and what would you encourage people with for, you know, the, the, the idea of stepping out in faith? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I never thought in a million years that I would ever do anything like this. And right. I can tell you that when, when God calls you, he sends you confirmation. And I can look mm -hmm. back all the way back to 1990, 1990, actually, when I first got saved, and it was dear friends of ours that kept inviting us to church. And they were at Assemblies of God Church. And we thought they were way too weird. We didn't want to attend their church. And for two years, we told them no. Well, there was a gentleman by the name Rich Wilkerson that came to their church. He was an evangelist. And they asked us to come. My husband was like, honey, let's just say yes. We'll never have to go back again. And that'll be the end of that. Well, we went. And this evangelist preached this amazing message. And that night, myself... My husband and my oldest daughter ran to the altar with just tears dreaming our, down our face. 
you know, accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior. I grew up Catholic, so I, you know, you went to, to church Easter and Christmas, basically, when you're Catholic. So, so from there, I started attending church. I started listening to women's testimonies. And I thought, you know what? I, I really feel like I want to do something great for God, but I don't know what. And I remember one time in my prayer closet, I was spending some time with the Lord. And I heard the Lord say that I, well, he wanted us to go back to Naples to possess the land that he's given us. And that's the word that I heard. And so we came back. We thought it was to save my family members. And they all got saved. But in the process, God took me down this path to start Path to Freedom. I, I would have never chosen this for myself looking back. However, it is I would never I would never change it for the world. I'm, I'm honored that I get to do this. But when God calls you, you're going to know and don't be afraid because you know what? He walks every step of the way with you and you just got to do what he's asking you to do. Have courage. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So path to freedom starts and eventually you feel called to find an actual home. Talk about that because you, it didn't it didn't stay in its infancy stage. I mean, now we actually live in the home. So tell us how yes. the home started, how Magnolia House started. And it's such an exciting story about how God worked there. Yeah. Well, when God gives you a vision, he'll give you the provision. And I've mm. seen that. So I had actually gone to my board members when we realized there weren't enough houses to place these girls. And I had asked them, would you allow me to place a, an offer on a home that I found? And they said, absolutely not. We don't have the down payment there. We can't do this. So three months passed. I went back and I said, how about if we sign a 45 day contingency that if we don't raise the, the down payment in 45 days, we can back out of the contract. They said, mm -hmm. okay, let's do it. So a friend of mine took me to Magnolia house. Back then it was actually a, a disabled orphanage. And when I walked in the house, I knew that that was going to be our house. And wow. in 30, in 30 days, we raised the down payment and purchased that house. And it was an older home. It was built in 1987. It needed major renovations. And we, as an organization, put about $400,000 into it. But mm -hmm. we, as an organization, only spent 30000 of that 400000 because everything was donated from horses to hurricane-resistant windows, flooring, furniture. I mean, the whole community just rallied around us, and it took us about a year to get it open, and now we're almost four years open. Why do you think that is? I mean, I, what I've been amazed by is to see how quickly Path to Freedom has grown. It's, it's, uh, it's unusual to see a, an organization grow as quickly as Path to Freedom has, uh, and the, the, your ability to raise funds and for people to give money towards it. Why do you, I mean, I know what I think and I'll share that in a minute, but I'm curious, what do you think? I mean, wh why is it that people have been so willing to give towards this ministry? Well, definitely it's, it's God, but I also think it takes our part as well. And John and I have always been, you know, we've always been givers. We've always helped other people. I've actually served in ministry for 21 years, didn't take a dime from the church. I gave my all. You know, John worked very hard in his building companies, and we've always given to large ministries since we first came to the Lord. And I think between our faithfulness and God's faithfulness, we were able to do what God did in such a short amount of time. I don't take the credit for it. I just know that, you know what, God's looking for a willing vessel, 
and we were that willing vessel, but we also sowed into God's kingdom. And I think because of that, God blesses that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so true. And one of the other things that I that I've thought is that the mission of it is so clear. It's it's helping people. And I think that there's so many people out there who just want to give towards something that that helps people, you know, that really does bring them healing, help and hope. That's what this podcast is about. And the mission is so clear. And you mentioned that there's not enough houses in Florida to uh, accommodate all of the girls. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I don't think people know or realize how big the problem is and how few, you know, how, how small the solutions are at this point. Right. So last year in the state of Florida, there were 337 minor female victims identified as human trafficking Mm. and only 31 beds to house and restore these girls. Wow. Uh, Like I said, when I I first started out with this organization and I was trying to place these girls, they were put into institutions and not conducive for the kind of trauma that these girls have had. So, yeah, I think, you know, God is just he's he's amazing. He's just amazing. So. So 31. Wow. So there's that's that's incredible that that's all that's that's the only so there's still only 31 beds in Florida for these girls. Is that still accurate? Yeah, we have six beds that are part of that 31. Wow. That's humbling to think about. Um, It sure is. Yeah, it's incredible. So one of the things that drew Melanie and me to Path to Freedom is the family first model. It's one of the pillars of Path to Freedom. It's a it's a model that you've adopted as, like I said, one of the six pillars of Path to Freedom. Can you share what that is and how all of that works, the family first model? Yeah. So when we started out with the house, I knew that God wanted us to create a family environment. A lot of these girls come from a very dysfunctional family. Some have never met their fathers. They don't know what a true household should look like, right? Having a mother and a father that love each other, that respect each other, that won't violate the children. So God told me to make sure that I create that family first kind of model. Hmm. And I, I, I'm glad that I did because I know that the girls that have actually gone into institutional housing, they don't do well. They don't uh, recover well. So God is amazing by bringing you and Melanie and having that spiritual background as well and training these girls in the admonition of the Lord is just a blessing, just a blessing. So we hope to open more homes with uh, more people that love the Lord and can lead these girls in the way that he he's chosen for them. Yeah, it's it's incredible when I when I talk to people and they ask me about Path to Freedom, one of the first things they ask are is how many girls do you guys have in the house? And I think that they they truly want to know how many girls are there, but on the other hand, it's kind of a loaded question like, well, how many girls can you really, you know, help at once? And what I've, you know, where, where I've landed is that Jesus he not only fed the masses, he fed the 5,000, he fed the 4,000, he preached to, you know, so many people and the church spread like wildfire in the early in the, in the early church in the book of Acts. But he also ministered to the one. Luke 15, he, he went after the lost sheep. He left the 99 to go after the one. 
prodigal son. He tears apart the house to find the lost coin, the precious lost coin. And it's just so beautiful that, that we need both. We need the ministry to the masses, but we also need the ministry to the one. I mean, look at Jesus and his model for discipleship was 12 guys, and he had an inner circle of three. And so, you know, when people think about this ministry, they have to think in those terms, the fact that we're ministering to one girl at a time. Literally, it's one girl at a time. You can only minister to one at a time with the needs that they have. And so it's but what I also love about it is the fact that it's it multiplies over time. So over the years, we're going to minister to five or six and another five or six, another five or six. And 10 years from now, that's going to turn into 100 girls. And so it's just so awesome. I mean, what would you say to someone who may be a little skeptical about the fact that, well, we only have a few girls there and it costs so much money and that kind of thing? I mean, what's your what's your answer to that? I know what my answer is. I just gave it, but I'm just curious what yours is. Yeah, well, what's a life worth? I mean, for Christ to die, you yeah. know, right? Or right. even just one individual, that would have been yeah. enough. I and I think that, you know, with the kind of trauma that these girls come with, how can you expect to create an environment where you have 50 kids, you know, in an institution, you know, where you've got all these beds? I mean, it's just it's not conducive for healing, I, I believe. So I think having them separated in a family environment like you and Melanie are doing, there's a greater chance for these girls to heal. There's a greater chance for them to, you know, hear what God's called them to do. Who, who knows what God can do with that one person, right? I mean, right. have you not have you not chosen to do what you did through church? Look at all the masses that you've reached, right? Just with one person, you've reached a lot of people. How? Yes. What can these girls do, and who can they reach when they've come mm. to the other side of, of healing? Mm. So. I love that, Anna. That's awesome. And it's so applicable to everything, every area of ministry. We're so, I feel like everyone's so addicted to reaching, you know, the big events and all the hundreds and thousands of people and how many people came to your small group tonight and how many people were in church Sunday. And I'm just so kind of done with all of that, even though it's important, I understand it and we need it. But I just look at the scriptures and like you said, he died for, he died. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Like it's, it's deeply, deeply personal. And so thank you so much for believing in that and, and doing what you're doing. It's, it's really, it's incredible. Well, you guys really are doing the hard work. What's that? I said, you guys are doing the hard work. No, I mean, I think it's a team and yeah, I mean, it's, it's really great because people ask us, are we able to share our faith? And we never stuff it down their throats. We never, you know, it's not something that's forced on them. But what's been really cool is that the girls have been drawn to Christ just by being around the people who are there at the house, like yourself and others. And they ask questions. And so when they ask questions, we can answer them. And like, you know, it's a faith-based ministry. Speak about that a little bit. I mean, how, how does that work in the state of Florida to be able to be a faith-based ministry? And has that been tricky at all? Actually, I think because we have been so successful with, with our girls, I mean, the state, there's separation of state and, and, and church, right? But I think because the state trusts us so much, they don't really question us. We've had no issues since we have opened. I do know of other organizations that have mentioned that they 
are not allowed to force these girls to go to church. And we don't force them, but we say when we interview them, these are the things that we offer here at the house and you'll be a part of that. And that is going to church and going to youth group. And they have the choice to choose to come or not come. But if right. you're going to choose to come with us, then you're going to go to church with us. And right. so we've had no issues, which is great, I think. Yeah, it's incredible. So we're building the transition house. Talk about the transition house a little bit and the, the girls that age out of the system and what your vision is for them. Yeah. So we've learned since our girls that we have served, which is 19 or 20 girls so far, that once wow. they graduate from the safe house program, they need that extra help. So we decided, we felt that God was calling us to build a transition house there on the property. So when they graduate from the safe house program and turn 18, they can go into this home and we can provide safe housing. We can provide, you know, trying to find them a higher education or a trade, life skills, so many other things that they need to, to move out. I know my children, when they were 18, they weren't ready to buy their house or rent a home and, and do all that stuff. So we want to make sure that we give these girls a strong foundation. So when they are on their own, they will, they will stay standing straight. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait for that to happen. And so our big annual event is the Red Gala, which is really fantastic. Can you just share a little bit about that event and what some of your best memories are of the event? I, my, our first was this past year and it was just so memorable. Well, this is our eighth annual coming up on January 20th here in Naples, Florida. And if you're in the area, we'd love for you to join us. Last year, I think, was my favorite out of all the seven that we had in previous years. And several reasons. When you and Melanie got up there and spoke, I can't tell you how many people came up to us afterwards saying, I cannot believe that God sent these two angels to you and what amazing people they are, truly. But the, the evening was just spectacular. We raised m more money than we ever have at any other gala. It was, you know, energized. It was a lot of fun. Everybody dresses up. And uh, we had it at a, uh, at a hangar, airplane hangar. And people were taking pictures near the airplanes. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. But for a good cause, trying to raise money to open up a second home. A second home. Talk about the second home a little bit. What's the vision for that? Yeah, so currently we have one home in another county. We're looking to build a home actually here in Collier County where I'm from. And okay. I, I believe because there's such a great need for housing that we'd like to be able to maybe even serve 10 girls if at all possible. So we're looking for a larger parcel of land with a larger mm -hmm. house to be able to provide more space for more girls. And wow. we are, we started the campaign this March. We've raised $170,000 so far. We're looking to wow. raise 500000 by March of 2024 and be up and running by the end of 2024, if not sooner. Okay. So people can give towards that by going to pathtofreedom.org, right? That's correct. Somebody's sitting That's there with uh, a couple million dollars or just a couple dollars. We'll take all. <laughs> yes. And I, I, yes. I'm, if there's people out there that might see this. They might not see it this year. They may see it five years from now, and they feel led to give towards a ministry like this. Human trafficking, it's, it's just, it's such a horrible, nightmarish thing that's happening right in our backyard. And I can tell you that if you give towards this ministry, that you're giving towards something that is going to make an eternal impact. If you've seen the movie Sound of Freedom, uh, we have girls in our house now who 
could have been the lead actors in that movie. I mean, that they have the same story. Not all the girls have that same story, but there are girls that, that come to us with that story. And so if you're looking for a place to give, if you're looking for somewhere to where you can really make a difference, there's a really big vision here at Path to Freedom. You have another plan too, the, the plan that we saw, the master plan. Talk about that a little bit. I know that that's not what we're doing right now, but it's also still out there as a dream, right? Absolutely. Well, actually, so we, our plans is to open up a, an 80 acre campus. And on this yeah. campus, we would have seven or eight safe houses on, mm-hmm. on the property with everything that the girls need there, whether it's counseling, equine therapy, we even want to have a, an animal abused animal shelter for these girls to care for these animals, education, vocation, right there on property. And so we are actually also even looking currently right now for 40 acres with a house on it so that we can possibly build as we go continue to move forward. So we, we did find one, it's not local, unfortunately, but that is our plan. If we can do that and get 40 acres and continue to build upon it, that would be the way to go. And mm-hmm. our hope is to be able to serve more girls and also replicate this campus throughout the nation here in the United States. We want to be able to replicate what we have created. We have an amazing program director, Fawn Volkert, and mm-hmm. this woman is quite talented, anointed, and I see us going into the different states to create more space for these girls to restore and heal. Yeah, that would be awesome to be able to go into all the states and duplicate what we're doing here in Florida. Yes. I just, I think, I think that God will do some amazing things. If you're watching this right now, we have another podcast that we did with the development director of Path to Freedom, Barb Bollinger. I interviewed her and you can look that one up. I also interviewed Fawn on a spoke about Fawn and we talked about her story, not as much about Path to Freedom, but more about her background and her story. And I just know that that would be a blessing to you as well. Is there anything you want to share on as, as we close our time together? I would ask that you would prayerfully consider giving to our organization to be able to provide more services for these girls. You can go to pathtofreedom.org, path2.org, and you can have all the information there. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at info at path2freedom.org. God bless you and thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining us. And thank you, friends, for watching. This has been the Help and Hope podcast of Mark Inc. Ministries. God bless you.